This is Dr. Rob Harder with the Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, making your world better. What does it take to be an effective nonprofit leader today? What are the biggest challenges? What are the biggest obstacles? How should nonprofits fundraise in an economy that is constantly changing? All of these reasons combined led me to start this show. And it's my hope that through this series, people can learn not only what it takes to be an effective nonprofit organization, but to hear from effective leaders who are successfully making a positive impact in their communities. We hope you enjoy the show as together we hear how they are making their world better. Welcome everybody to the show. There is no doubt that right now everything feels to be in a constant state of flux. Every day, another headline comes across our media feed reminding us of how quickly our world is changing. So how do leaders operate within such an uncertain environment? And specifically, how do nonprofit leaders navigate their staff and their organization through these turbulent times? My guest on the show for this episode is David Langeli, and he will seek to answer how we as nonprofit leaders can lead through a crisis. David is a certified professional coach, a leadership trainer, and a nonprofit board member. He also has a special emphasis on mental fitness and is integrating that into his leadership training. He also helps lead fundraising leadership, an organization committed to growing nonprofit leaders, which also has a podcast, which I'll talk a bit more about during the show. Enjoy today's show. Well, David, I'm so glad to have you on the show today. You know, there's no doubt that right now, it, everything feels to be in a constant state of flux. I mean, every day, another headline comes across our media feed, reminding us how quickly our world is changing. Uh, so how do leaders operate within such an uncertain environment? And specifically, how do nonprofit leaders navigate their staff and their organization through these turbulent times? Uh, I know you recently wrote an article about this, and I wanted to pull out some of the key points you make in that article. So first, you point out that all too human desire to both fix and control all of the chaos we find ourselves in. Um, how do we overcome this temptation and try to fix and control our surroundings? Well, it's a great question. How is fixing and controlling working for you these days, Rob? Yeah, not so good right now. Not with COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, not so good. Yeah, like that's a great example, right? COVID-19 is currently outside of our control. I like, um, I've written a, a, an ebook on stoicism, the stoic way of leadership. And uh, from uh, Marcus Aurelius and Epictetus, we uh, learned that there are things that are completely within our control, and there are things that are completely outside of our control, and then there are some things that are partially but not completely within our control. So let's like talk about COVID-19. Right now, much of what's happening is beyond our control. There is no vaccine. Uh, and there are some things that can be done. We can social distance. We can uh, wear a mask when we go, you know, food shopping. Um, so there are certainly uh, some things that are partially uh, but not completely in our control. If we if we catch the virus, we can go see the doctor and see if we can get treatment because treatments are improving now. So that's just a really good example, but. I would say that to get anxious, there's a lot of anxiety around the virus, and a lot of what's happening <clears throat> is just not in our control. So uh, I would like I'd like to say uh, just accepting what is, as opposed to trying to control and fix. 
Uh, no, really uh, good advice. And, and I think you're right. It's interesting how I think with COVID-19 specifically, everything that we used to depend on has been really pulled away from us, you know, whether it be connecting with other people, if you're an extrovert, uh, your job, uh, your favorite coffee shop. I mean, you name it, go down the list. It, it was like all taken away. I mean, maybe outside of your family, uh, depending on if you live by yourself or you live with a uh, you know extended family. But uh, leadership again, right? So much of leadership is what we allow into our mind and what we choose to focus our mind upon. And in your arc like you talk about sharing four key questions that you borrowed from Byron Kate. Uh, could you share those with my audience and how have these questions been particularly helpful for you? Uh, leaders in, in the audience here could actually coach themselves with those four questions. Um, whenever sort of a an afflictive emotion triggers a thought like, oh, there's, you know, we're, we're, we're taking unacceptable risk or whatever that thought is that really tortures you. Usually it's kind of a, a ruminating type of thought. You can ask those four questions. Is this thought true? Can you absolutely know that it's true? Usually people pause there when they really dig and they can I absolutely know that that's true? They'd be like, no, I can't. But in your case, it, you, you know, there's some, always some risk here. So how do you react? What happens when you believe that thought? And who would you be without that thought? And that's usually the one like landed with you so strongly that, uh, you would be a better leader. You would be able to make better decisions. You'd be more at peace without that thought. Like every time we open the door, we're taking a risk. For leaders in the in the audience, you can coach folks in your organization with those uh, four short questions. Byron Katie's uh, four questions, uh, very effective. Um, I use it all the time. Yeah. As I mentioned on the front of the show, you are a coach and this is what you do. And so for my listeners, I think uh, as we go through today, I think they're going to really want to contact you, which we're going to give an opportunity for people to find out how they can contact you if they need coaching. Well, okay, let's, we're in this crisis, of course. We're in this pandemic. Uh, when it comes to leading an organization during a crisis, like the pandemic that, of course, we're in, um, there are certainly times when leaders need to lead with an urgency, right? And perhaps in the face of fear or uncertainty and stress, as you've already mentioned already, um, leaders need to harness that right amount of energy and, you know, turn that fear into positive momentum for those that are, that they're leading. And of course, stress comes with the job of being a leader. You know, even without a pandemic, there's plenty of stress that comes with the job of being a leader. And the larger the organization, of course, often the more stress. Um, in fact, you just can't be a leader of an organization without experiencing some level of stress because stress just comes whenever you're leading people. Um, so a question for you on that when it comes to stress and leadership and as you coach people, particularly in the light of, of the crisis that we find ourselves in, I've learned that there's a doable stress on the one hand, and then there's a destructive stress, right? That you there's the doable stress is kind of stress we all deal with and we have to just put up with and hopefully have good coping mechanisms. But then sometimes we slip into this destructive stress where we allow stress to get uh, the better of us. And then it ends up in people, you know, leaving their job or, you know, self-medicating or making really poor leadership decisions or treating their staff horribly. You fill in the blank. Um, when you coach leaders, how do you define each type of stress and how can leaders distinguish when he or she has slipped into that destructive stress mode of leadership? Yeah, it's a great, great question. Uh, and I think it is unique for each person how and what triggers our stress levels into that sort of destructive 
um, zone. Um, it's different for different people. And in some of the work now that I'm doing with nonprofit leaders around mental fitness, we, we talk about what are the triggers. We call them saboteurs, actually. It's the ways we sabotage ourselves. It's the ways that uh, we sort of have an emotional hijack uh, and um, things, either circumstances or other people are triggering our uh, uh, afflictive emotions. And they, those, when we react as opposed to respond, uh, when we react from a, a state of, of um, stress, often uh, our actions are not so skillful. And, and we talked earlier about being vigilant. Absolutely, during these times, we want to be vigilant. We want to do what we can do to protect ourselves and our staff and our board members and our donors. Do what we can. But if we get so hypervigilant, by way of example, uh, this is one of these saboteurs, when we get hypervigilant, we see, we see danger all around. Everywhere we look. And people right now are, are very much paralyzed. Uh, uh, many people are paralyzed uh, by this hypervigilance. They just, everywhere they turn, they see danger so they do nothing. Now, you run a humanitarian organization in Utah. How can you possibly fulfill your purpose and do nothing? So this is the way, you know, hypervigilance, uh, could, you could sabotage the very purpose that you exist on the face of this earth at this time for. So you have to be mindful of, of these, these sort of nine different ways that we sabotage ourselves. Another one is the controller. We were talking about wanting to control and fix everything. Well, uh, usually the impact of wanting to control and fix and organize and, and make sure everything goes as planned it can be exhausting, especially when um, there are many things especially right now, that are outside of our control. And yet there's this desire to want to control and fix, and that causes a lot of stress. So the first step in uh, relieving some of this, uh, what you call the destructive stress, is to first recognize when you're hijacked by uh, some of these saboteurs and then shift to uh, what we call uh, more... Uh, sage-like, uh, uh, a way of being a leader that's more sage-like. And we could talk a little bit more about that if you want. It's, it's, it's a bit more of an advanced topic. But the first step I would say is to notice when you're feeling the stress, you know, ask yourself, what, what's going on here? You know, uh, maybe, you know, some people in the uh, nonprofit world, many of them fundraisers, they have what we call a pleaser saboteur. They're trying to please everyone. They're trying to make the circumstances and conditions such that the board is happy and the donors are happy and the uh, uh, the clients who are receiving our aid are happy and the staff is happy. Well, how's that? How does that work out for you, Rob? When you try to please everyone? Not very good. Not very good at all. <laughs> right. Not very good. Like we all get. I mean, these are just subtle kind of forms of 
they all come from a good place. Like, yes, we want people to be happy. We want, you know, we want them to be happy. But as a, there's a common saying, you know, you cannot please all of the people all the time. Well said. No, I, you're absolutely right. I think that's one that I would call myself a recovering people pleaser because it's something that I, I think I definitely have a tendency towards, no doubt about it. And it can sabotage your leadership because you're absolutely right. You nailed it. You cannot please everybody. I remember back in the day, and I've forgotten who said this, but uh, a mentor of mine uh, said, you can either choose as a leader uh, to try to please people and please everybody in your organization, or you can choose to be respected. And the idea was that, it's, of course, it's natural to want everyone to like you and to please them. But at the end of the day, when you're, you've got the mission in mind and you want to follow whatever mission it is that you're called to lead, then at the end of the day, they'll respect you. Even if they don't like you, they'll still respect you because you stayed mission-driven. And I thought, I've tried to. It's hard. It's easier said than done. But um, You're a strategy guy, and um, I know you're very thoughtful and, and what happens with, you know, people ask me about strategy over the years all the time. <clears throat> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fond of uh, another saying, which goes something like, strategy is what you say no to, as much as what, as what you say yes to. So, you know, you were sharing that, you know, you're leading an organization, and I know this about you because we had you on our podcast, and you're doing great work. And uh, you know, you have a mission, and this is how we get mission creep: is when we start saying yes to, you know, you have some board member that says, "Oh, wouldn't it be nice to do this?" Right? Uh, wouldn't it be nice to do that? I think you have to think very carefully about. Saying yes to those things. I, I'm, I'm aware. I'm reflecting upon my time at Princeton when I used to sit in on on some of the senior leadership, uh, Princeton University when I used to sit in on some of the senior leadership meetings there. And Princeton, as an organization, is very careful about, you know, expanding programs, going beyond the core. They do it very thoughtfully. And they say no to a lot of things, even though donors are willing to fund those activities. So I think as a leader, you know, that tendency to want to please can really stretch the organization thin. And you, you talk about stress. Boy, when you are a small to medium-sized nonprofit and you take on more and more uh, uh, services, uh it's pretty easy, and if they're not funded fully, and even if they are funded fully, it can cause a lot of stress um, to the organization. So I think you have to learn how to say no. Strategy is the art of saying no. Well, we are supported by Cinch Web Services, your best choice for WordPress support. We have a special offer for those who listen to the show. Cinch is the best choice you can make for WordPress and WooCommerce support. They're experts at solving all sorts of website issues from big problems like fixing a completely broken site to the tiniest of details that are stumping you. Cinch offers ongoing support plans starting at just $99 a month, which covers all mandatory website maintenance tasks plus 30-minute fixes for free. I personally use Cinch for my websites, and I can say that the support and expertise I've received from them is top-notch. They're great to work with, and I no longer need to worry about the health or status of our websites because Cinch is there for us. 
Now, here's the best part. You can get 50% off your first month of support at cinchws.com slash nonprofit leadership and just use the promo code leadership during checkout. Once again, that's cinchws.com slash nonprofit leadership and use the promo code leadership for 50% off your first month of support. We want to thank Cinch for sponsoring our show and for being a reliable support team we can trust. Hey everybody, Rob here. Thanks so much for listening to the Nonprofit Leadership Show. If this is your first time listening to us, I wanted to make sure you are aware of a whole group of other interviews with fascinating guests that I've previously interviewed. Just go to our website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org, and there you'll find numerous interviews of nonprofit leaders from all over the country, even from different countries, all trying to make their world better. I think you'll really enjoy those interviews. We want to give you more content, and we'd like to get that information to you. And all you have to do is give us your email. When you go to that website, you can put your email address in that first box you'll see on the front page, and you'll be added to our monthly email update. In addition to some great content, you'll see the latest uh, podcast shows that will be actually sent right to your inbox. And that way you'll never miss any of the great content on this show. The other thing I'll mention to you is if you have questions or comments or you'd like to be on the show, do not hesitate to email me. I'd love to hear from you. Just do that through our website, my email, rob at ccofpc.org. Well, thanks again for listening. Now back to the show. Now, as you've coached leaders over the years and grown in your own life as a leader, what are the key characteristics of leaders that uh, who will be able to sustain effective leadership over a long period of time? I know you've written about this, you've talked about this. What separates out effective leaders who really prevail and those who fade away? Well, it's the perennial leadership question. You know, what are the attributes? What are the what are the characteristics? What are the qualities of leaders? And um, it's hard just to say one thing, which is one of the reasons why uh, Janice Cunning and I, um, we, you know, we're the founders of uh, fundraising leadership. We created an assessment. We did a lot of thinking uh, that went into this assessment to sort of, I, and our work with nonprofit leaders over the years to sort of say, what are the essential qualities that we saw that successful leaders had, and and we came up with about nine, and that's that's too many for us to talk about today. But one of the ones that I think is essential is having a positive mental attitude. You know, this this goes back a long way in the in the self help world <laughs> with Napoleon Hill, success for a positive mental attitude. Easy to say, very difficult to do, especially in the challenging environment that we're currently leading in to maintain a positive mental attitude no matter what happens. Another way of saying this is uh, seeing the gift or opportunity in any circumstance. That would be a way of framing a positive mental attitude, even the worst of circumstances. Okay, now I want to go to a little bit more of a personal question. Uh, who has shaped you most as a leader, and how did they influence you? <laughs> That's a great question. Whenever I think about my – there have been so many folks who have influenced me in my life. And um, I have to say my parents, Rob, um, and in different ways. Uh, my father um, – and, and in fact, he inspired. He's no longer with us. He passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, he was a stoic by philosophy. And so, a lot of you know, and I wrote that that little ebook to honor him. 
But a lot of his philosophy, way of looking at life, his patience, his um, deep, deep reservoirs of patience, something that I uh, uh, was born on the, uh, got the bit of the short end of the stick on that one. More, I'm more like my mom in this regard. You know, you talked about urgency. Uh, I tend to be, uh, uh, up until recently, more impatient. So I am uh, remembering my father every time, especially now when there are lots of things out of my control, uh, I, um, I'm cultivating my patience. And he also had a way of, um, he was very sort of warm and welcoming and very steady. And so I am more and more these days embodying those leadership qualities in my own work um, and the collaborations that uh, I have with our business partners and with our clients. And for my mom, my mom is like if anyone out there uh, in your audience knows the disc, my mom is like high D on the disc, you know, decisive, uh, direct, direct. Uh, and I share the, you know, those qualities. She's also, um, she's still alive and, and, uh, in assisted living here in, in Southwest Florida. And she, uh, had great qualities of planning an organization and could get things done. Uh, and those are some of the qualities we talk about in, in the assessment that I mentioned, um, for the audience. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, it's it's kind of quaint to say it these days, but uh, my mother and father had the most influence on me in my life, and I really honor them and respect them and have very fond memories of them, even though, you know, they had their uh, shortcomings. I love hearing that, that you had such a wonderful upbringing, and to have your mom and dad both influence you like that is fantastic. I would say you're a very blessed man for that. We're very different people, uh, you know, in terms of their styles. Uh, my, my parents were very different people, so I, I feel like I try to embody um, the best of, of both of them. Yeah. Well, do you feel like if you were to, I know this may be hard to do, but if you were to whittle down your dad's leadership uh, influence and then say your mom's leadership influence, could you encapsulate that into like one statement of this is the one key thing I took away from my dad and this is the one key thing I took away from my mom? Or is that too too short a notice to let you ask you? <laughs> well, too yeah, compassion and courage. Oh, I like both of those. Both critical, critical characteristics for leaders. Definitely. As you know, because I've told you a little bit about my podcast, my listeners are, the majority of them are active in some nonprofit and mostly on a staff position or in a, a key leadership role. You being a coach, of course, um, I'm wondering, I know you've written some articles, maybe there's some things you can kind of um, give a shout out to the things that you do. And of course, you're part of the fundraising leadership team, which you've already mentioned, you've got your own podcast. So perhaps talk a little bit more about how people can find out more about you, your coaching, and then of course, your podcast. Yeah, well, they can navigate over to fundraisingleadership.org, um, where they can pick up some, you know, a number of, of, you know, we've created a number of complimentary free resources for the nonprofit world. The assessment uh, that I mentioned, uh, a couple of ebooks on leadership that are all free, uh, and there are a few other uh, super low cost um, resources there for folks, uh, including the podcast and the blog, which you were 
gracious enough to come on with us uh, a few weeks back. We really appreciated your article and uh, having you on. The thing I'm most excited about these days, Rob, is the uh, mental fitness program we've put together. Um, I mentioned it earlier in our discussion. You know, it's this work. It's a seven-week. It's like it's like going to a boot camp, like a mental fitness boot camp for seven weeks, if you think about it that way. That might scare some folks, but it really helps quiet those uh, voices that cause stress in our lives and helps us uh, shift over to those powers that I was mentioning that I that I have for my parents, um, you know, more, more wisdom in general as a leader, just calm, clear-eyed, action, decision-making, peacefulness in life in general. So that's the work that I'm most excited about, and they can find that um, under the coaching tab at uh, fundraisingleadership.org if they're interested in that mental fitness program. We're standing up another cohort in September. Again, my guest today is David Lenjuli. He's a certified professional coach, a leadership trainer, and a nonprofit board member. He also helps to lead Fundraising Leadership, an organization committed to helping grow nonprofit leaders. So David, again, if people that are listening to the show really want to contact you, maybe get some coaching even, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? Find me um, on LinkedIn. Uh, as you as you know, you and I are connected, and I um, they want to follow me on LinkedIn. I, I do a lot of thought leadership in the in the realm of, of the nonprofit world out there, and um, you can always email me at david at fundraisingleadership.org. And of course, uh, becoming a member of the fundraising leadership community is completely free and a whole bunch of complimentary resources will come your way when you uh, join the community at fundraisingleadership.org. That's excellent. David, again, thank you for taking time to be on the show. Thanks for all you're doing. I mean, truly, you are investing in this next generation. You're investing in leaders who then, of course, are making a big impact across this country. So thanks for all you do. Again, I encourage my leaders to uh, reach out to David and get to know him a little bit more. He's got a lot to offer. Thank you, Rob. I want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing there in in Park City, and I want to thank you for having me on the podcast to uh, be able to share a little bit of what I've learned over the years with with the audience. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, friends, I wanted you to know that this podcast can be found on both iTunes and Spotify. If you're wondering how to find it, just type in the words Nonprofit Leadership Podcast, and this podcast should show up. We also encourage you, when you go on iTunes, let us know what you think. Give us a review. Give us a rating. We would love to hear what you think of this podcast, and your feedback will help expand this podcast to get it out to as many people as possible. You can also find other resources and interviews of past guests on my website, nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Again, that website is nonprofitleadershippodcast.org. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep making your world better.